0: Welcome to the Women's Wellness Psychiatry Podcast. I'm so glad you're here. I'm your host, Anna Glazer, MD, a reproductive and integrative psychiatrist here to help you make sense of the complex world of women's mental health. If your goal is to improve your emotional well-being, find fulfillment, and feel like your best self, you're in the right place. Welcome, my listener friends. In this episode, I wanna go back and focus on a core issue, Postpartum depression. Postpartum depression impacts one in five mothers in the US. And I suspect those numbers are actually underrepresentative of everyone who is struggling. When I think about peripartum and postpartum mental health, of course, I think about postpartum depression and anxiety, but also postpartum psychosis, postpartum OCD, pregnancy related anxieties, birth trauma, grief and loss with fertility journeys, and much more. And there's no one-size-fits-all approach to everyone who's struggling with these challenges and no one way to treat or prevent these conditions. But one intervention that continues to be prominent in every study that looks at prevention and treatment is the concept of support. Support for the birthing parent, for the partner, support during a pregnancy, postpartum, or preconception, and support in many forms, in the form of emotional connection, or logistical assistance, for example, with meals, cleaning, chores, childcare, support in the form of education, and much more. One of the largest and best organizations that provides this type of support is PSI, Postpartum Support International. I first learned about PSI years ago when I entered the field of reproductive psychiatry, and I find what they do so valuable. This year, I actually joined the the board of the California Chapter. And now, for this podcast episode, I asked Mary Levy, a reproductive psychotherapist and the chair of the board, to join me in this episode to share with you a bit more about what PSI provides to both clinicians and parents. Now, support across the perinatal and postpartum period is a broad topic. We're talking about social support systems. Sleep support, lactation support, and much more. There's, in fact, an entire module in my online course, The Fellowship in Reproductive and Integrative Psychiatry, that focuses on support systems. If you're interested in learning more, please go to the website, psychiatryfellowship.com, to review the full curriculum and get your questions answered. We've now made it easier for busy professionals to access this information by creating an on demand option as well. And I look forward to seeing you there. And now I'm excited to share my conversation with Mary Levy, a licensed psychotherapist practicing in the Bay Area in California and the chair of California's Postpartum Support International. Thank you so much, Mary, for joining me on this podcast episode. I'm really glad to have you join me and to share your expertise and all of the background information and really important work that PSI, Postpartum Support International, does. So. Thank you for joining me today. Thanks for inviting me. Why don't we start at the beginning and maybe what we could do is just share with listeners a little bit about your own professional background, how you became interested in this particular field and the work that you've done in it because you've been doing this work for a while. And initially, I think doing it maybe a little bit more siloed until this organization, and everything that you brought to the state and everything. So let's start with your professional background and then we'll talk a little bit more.
1: Sure. Yeah. I, this is the third career for me, actually. Yeah. I started out doing public policy for the state of California and did that for about 12 years doing economic analysis. And, and then had my two of my three kids and had my own postpartum experience after my second. And that trying to put things in perspective for me. I, had a hard time caring as much about people's electric bills after. <laughs> just, they have to be motivated to do that kind of work. So I, at that point, I just got really focused on, uh, what new parents are dealing with in that those first months and year postpartum. So I actually started a business. I was a maternity baby breastfeeding store and resource center here in Lafayette called the Nurture Center. And we had no parent support groups and I became a lactation educator and we did beat the duel at night and breastfeeding classes. And I did that for about eight years and then had another shift and felt like I didn't want to have to sell people stuff in order to help them. (laughs) So I went back to school to become a therapist and At the time, there really wasn't, there were very few perinatal therapists in this area. Um, Shoshana Bennett was my own therapist and then became a mentor of mine. And then she moved out of the area. So I was uh, the only one out here um, and didn't even know about PSI until, um, I don't even know how I came across them, honestly, but uh, a couple of friends of mine were were going to their training in Fresno in 2013. And I decided I was just about finished with my hours as an intern. He decided to go to the, the two-day training in Fresno with the uh, colleagues and um, just fell in love with PSI and immediately started volunteering as a support coordinator for them.
0: And so PSI does a number of things for both those who are struggling with symptoms as well as those who work in the field as you just described in both the training and then the support groups. Maybe you could share with us a little bit about sort of the history of postpartum support international, maybe a little bit about our specific California chapter and all of the wealth of different things that it does.
1: Sure. Yeah, I know a little bit about the early years. Jane Honickman, I'd met her at some of the conferences, I believe she started the organization in the 70s. And it started just out of her home. And it had grown quite a bit by the time I got involved in 2013. But even since then, it's grown a lot more. It started out providing support to new parents through support coordinators, which is their first program. So they tried to have coordinators in as many of the states and counties as possible. And, and even internationally, there are coordinators in many different countries now. Um, and that, and they have a, had a warm line for moms to call to get connected with a local support coordinator who could help them find resources in their local area and hold their hand until they could get uh, connected with local resources to serve them.
0: So that's the job of my coordinator is to be that hand holder, that support system for this mom who needs to figure out those new, because that could be really over. You're already not feeling well and you've got your either you've got a baby or a number of different stressful situations that are happening. And then to try to connect with resources, that can be a really difficult situation to be in, especially
1: when you're already in crisis mode. So that's the job of these support coordinators. Exactly. And as the internet has become a better resource for finding providers, the support co- coordinators help parents find resources that they could find themselves on the internet, but with somebody to make sure that they get that support so that they have an actual person that they can talk to until they um, get a professional to support them. It was the job of the coordinators to really compile all the local resources until PSI developed a, an online directory that is now available. Providers can get listed on there for free and they can list whatever specific uh, training they've had to serve perinatal clients. So that was an outgrowth of the need for a resource directory for the support coordinators t- to provide those resources to their moms.
0: And the website also includes resources around various programs and various groups and all kinds of other things.
1: Yes. Uh, a lot of the listed providers are therapists and psychiatrists, but there's also everything from doulas and lactation consultants to support groups, intensive outpatient programs, hospitalization programs, whatever the resource that the parent needs. It's very comprehensive. Yeah. Yes, and part of what is so helpful about it is the that they specify what training providers have had, so that folks can help distinguish between providers who have perinatal specific training, or if they have birth trauma, if there's training specific training for that, or a loss. Yeah, and kind of sticking
0: with the side for patients, in addition to being connected with all of these external tools, PSI runs groups and supports in multiple languages, is my understanding.
1: Yes, they do. And and that, I believe, started more, that became much more comprehensive during the pandemic when so many people were looking for resources online that they began to offer support groups. Uh, They call them online support meetings because they're not a a consistent group of people. Uh, You can just show up and it'll be whoever shows up that day. But they have groups for different ethnicities, races, languages, um, for LGBTQ parents. They're trying to make sure that anybody who wants to be in a group can find a group that feels like a safe place for them.
0: That's great. That's great. And then it also sounds, even my experience is that PSI does a good amount of Training and networking, connecting for clinicians who work in this field. They've got the annual conference. They've got the trainings. They've got the, so the phone support line. If you're a clinician, you want to talk with a reproductive psychiatrist, a number of different tools for the clinician side of things as well.
1: Yes. And and I should add a couple of other resources on the parent side before switching over. They also now have a peer mentor program. So they'll connect a parent with a a peer mentor that's specific to their circumstances if they've had a baby in the NICU or birth trauma or if they've lost a baby. So there's a peer mentor program now as well. And they now have the hotline as well. They run the maternal mental health hotline for the federal government, which is now a 24-7 hotline that serves uh, parents who call and you can google that number
0: yes and we'll make sure to to list that in the show notes as well it's such an important yeah. thing that was just recently developed
1: yeah it's amazing that they managed to get that set up before this time it was just warm line where as a volunteer who had to get back to you when their children didn't need them or what <laughs> The is staffed by paid people who can answer 24 hours, seven days a week. That's great. So oh. on the professional side, in addition to the things you mentioned, the conference trainings, both so for frontline providers and for first responders. Let's see. Their two day training is for all different kinds of providers, including lactation consultants and doulas and therapists and nurses. And they've begun to offer training specific for working with fathers and partners and loss as well. And the the consult line you mentioned for prescribers to call if they need a consultation with uh, a reproductive psychiatrist. We also have consultation groups. We have now five of those a month. Three psychotherapy groups for the general uh, therapist population one for Spanish-speaking providers and one for prescribers. That's great.
0: That's very comprehensive.
1: Yeah, and those are a great way, I think, for providers to connect and consult on cases so that they're able to get supported because oftentimes they don't have other providers in the area that can provide that support.
0: And it, it really sounds like there's been so much that's been in recent years, both on the parent side and on the clinician side. What are some things that you see either at the national level or maybe at the California level, um, some directions that PSI is continuing to move in, things that we can keep an eye out for, other types of advocacy programs that they're working to do put into place?
1: Yeah, the advocacy side is huge and, and it varies by state and, and definitely federally, right? The maternal mental health hotline was, thoughts are, through legislation that was passed on the federal level. And uh, the California chapter um, is working on initiatives in California to support parents. Okay. Yeah, some of the things that are the national level that we're working on is to add consultation groups for doulas and lactation consultants and possibly occupational therapists as well so that other professionals working with perinatal, the perinatal population can have consultation opportunities. In California, we're really hoping to figure out where the gaps are so that we can get uh, providers trained to serve some of the underserved populations in the state by offering yeah, more local trainings, by providing scholarships for providers to get trained who might otherwise not be able to access that training.
0: In addition to the advocacy side of things, there's also a lot of just education of Parents to be able to even recognize that this is what's happening. And I know that our chapter has been working on those kinds of outreach and educational ventures as well. Even though there's more and more conversation about perinatal mental health, there's still a lot of under information, misinformation, just not enough out there, not enough education out there. Yeah. Why we're talking about it here.
1: Yeah. I certainly see people in my practice and I'm sure people in your practice who never thought that this could happen to them Mm -hmm. and either because they never heard much about it none of their friends had it so it seemed like it was something that just happened to other people or or in the community that they're in but it didn't feel like it was something that that was close enough to home and the whole idea that Anybody from any background can end up with a perinatal mood or anxiety disorder that anyone can experience. Birth trauma, how prevalent pregnancy loss and birth and infant loss is, and how traumatic it is when it happens. I think a lot of people just don't really get it until it happens to them, and then of course, if they haven't been hearing about it from their peer group, they don't really know where to go and what kind of help they need. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And you just described so many different scenarios where someone might need that kind of help. And when we classically think of postpartum depression, the stereotype is, oh, it's mom feeling sad. And it's so much more than mom feeling sad. The anxiety side of things can be very surprising. But then so many of these other scenarios that you mentioned, like having a child in the NICU or going through a loss, so many of these other things that really can Trigger various kinds of mental health
1: scenarios and pictures that for which support is really essential. Yes. And often people don't recognize it even when they know that something's wrong. They often don't know exactly what is going on. (laughs) I'm often saying to my clients in the media what you think it looks like to be depressed. And even when somebody does have depression and not anxiety or OCD or one of the other types of mental health complications, It doesn't often look like the person who can't get out of bed. It's often just Mm -hmm. a sense that this is so much harder than I could possibly have imagined it being. And I'm clearly terrible at it. And just a sense that it just feels like they've fallen into a dark pit. And it's their only experience of parenthood often. So they just think this is what parenthood is and and think they've made a terrible mistake rather than recognizing it as depression.
0: Absolutely, and I think some of the things that you just described are words that I hear so often in my practice related to that sense of overwhelm or just thinking this is how it's supposed to be. Any of those kinds of things that you just described are very, the idea that I'm still taking care of my baby
1: so I must not be depressed because I'm not just spending the whole day in bed. And if I can function, I must not be depressed. I think that people often think that there's just something wrong with who they are as a human being or as a parent rather than thinking that they have a mental health complication.
0: Yes, exactly. So
1: it can be very hard to put those two together and be like, yeah, that's what it feels like.
0: <laughs> I think we've transitioned a little bit to from speaking about PSI to more generally, I guess, debunking some of the misconception about perinatal mental health. Are there any others that you think would be important to
1: mention? There's often generalizations about how people are when they have postpartum depression, that they don't want to take care of their baby or they don't feel connected with their baby. And and while that's certainly something that can happen, that's not all of the cases that I see or maybe not even the majority. A lot of the moms that I see feel very connected to their babies. They love their babies, but they just feel like something's wrong with them. They don't think they're feeling the way they think they're supposed to feel. Sometimes the anxiety can cause them to be overly watchful of their babies and not want other people to take care of them. So it can definitely look very different than what people might imagine. Because I often get people saying when I talk to them about having postpartum depression or anxiety, they they, oh, but I love my baby. I, I want to take care of my baby. It's like, yeah, that, that there's no inconsistency there. <laughs> yes. That you can very much want to take care of your baby and love your baby and think you're a charitable mother or just think that you can't do it very well too much or that you just can't sleep. Or you can't eat. I think it's very hard for people if they haven't experienced something like it before to know what it feels like.
0: And it's so different. I think if you have 10 different folks struggling with, let's say, postpartum depression, it's the diagnosis, so to speak, is the same, but they can all look very different.
1: Yeah, very much.
0: Anything else that you would like listeners to know about the different sources of support that PSI can provide? And I think just as an aside, I think that's the other really, really important thing that is, is so much of the value that PSI provides is that sense of support, because that's <clears throat> so essential to the, the healing journey. And during an experience of perinatal motor anxiety symptoms, is to have support of various kinds and that whole concept of taking a village to,
1: to raise a child and to support the family. Yeah, I think that definitely that's the main. Purpose of the organization is to support new parents, to help them get through that, those difficult months, to get them whatever resources from the community that they need, and also the support of peers. The other part, I think, is for a lot of the people who volunteer for or work for the organization are people who've had their own history. And I think that people often find a purpose in getting involved and in helping other parents go through what they have been through. And I think that can be a way that people make meaning out of their experience to get back and to feel like it might have been worth it because they're able to help other people in a way that they were able to get help themselves.
0: I love that. I love that piece of it where um, it's for those who are going through it. It's for those who are clinicians and it's for those who have gone through it and are on the other side of the experience who really want to give back and create value and meaning around their experience.
1: Yes, that's definitely been my experience. I am grateful in a way that I had my own journey with perinatal mental health because I found a community that's wonderful and I also have been able to find a purpose. And there's something really wonderful about doing work that, the difference that it makes. When you Did that help yourself. Yes. Thank
0: you for sharing your personal and professional background with us, sharing with us all the different things that PSI does. We'll be sure to include information for those listening on how to get in touch with PSI and both on the parent level and on the clinician level. Of course, we'll include all of that information as well. But thank you again for taking the time to record this podcast episode with me and for sharing your, your wisdom and expertise on the topic. Uh, you're very welcome. Thanks for joining me for this week's episode. As you know, my goal is to share with you the most helpful information that moves you towards emotional well being. If you have suggestions or questions, I'd love to hear those. And I also always appreciate a rating that will help others find this valuable content. I'm looking forward to connecting with you again next week. Please note that while I am a clinical doctor, this podcast is not a substitute for nor should be taken as medical advice. No specific health advice is being given on this podcast and no physician-client relationship is created by you listening to this podcast. All information provided on this podcast is for informational purposes only.